0: We're celebrating uh, Easter, Um, but I'll ask the question, why? Why are we celebrating Easter? It could all be tagged to one word, and that word is resurrection, resurrection. If there was no resurrection, we wouldn't be celebrating Easter. But since there was a resurrection, we're celebrating Easter. So I want to ask the question, what does this word resurrection mean? Just asking two questions, what does the word resurrection mean, and then the other piece what is so important about Christ's resurrection? That's what I'm going to talk about. So start out. What does resurrection mean? This is a definition of resurrection. De- resurrection means the act of restoring a dead person, the condition of having been restored to life. That's a definition of resurrection. Now, if you look at that definition, you'll see the word restored used twice. So it'd probably be a good idea to understand what the word restored means. This is what restored means: to bring back into existence or use. To bring back into the original or normal condition. So If you're going to take an old car and restore it, what are you going to do? You're going to get on eBay and you're going to find all the parts. Now they're not going to be the new parts from China. They're actually going to be what? The ancient parts. Why? Because you want it to be an old car bringing it back into the existence. So what you do is you look across the internet or you you go wherever you go to find all these parts and then you put them back together. And then as you're putting it back together, you we're all proud of it and it's worth a lot because it's been restored. It's been put back together. And then you turn the engine on and then it's a, well, it's kind of alive. You know, we'll, we'll pretend a little bit. It's kind of alive. And it's like, yeah, that's my car. That's how you restore a car. What about a human being? I mean, if the word restore is in resurrection... What about a human being? What is a human being made of? A human being, you would say, oh, it's made of a whole bunch of different organs. Well, actually, let's go deeper than that. It's actually made of matter. Remember the science classes As matter cannot be created, nor matter cannot ever be destroyed. You cannot destroy matter. Matter is connected to elements. There's 20 different elements that are inside the human body, and but there's four prominent elements, and these are the four prominent elements are hydrogen, oxygen, carbon and nitrogen. This is the matter that is in your body. So it's one thing about restoring a car. you go find all the different cars, but now we're talking about something that's pretty small. It's not a molecule, because a molecule is too big. It's atoms. So think about this human being that has to be restored. If you're going to restore a human being, what do you got to do? You got to find all these atoms and to do what? You got to put them back together. Remember, we know science that you know matter cannot be destroyed. So we know that they're here. And then what's going to have to happen? They're going to have to be put back together. You might say, whoa, that's impossible. Yeah, we all say it's impossible. The reason why we say it's impossible is, is because it's too big. It's beyond our mind. That's why we spiritualize the resurrection. We say, oh, it's just a huge spiritual thing that takes place. But the Bible doesn't talk about reincarnation. Reincarnation is recreating. It doesn't recreate you when you come out of the grave. It doesn't replace you. They use this word resurrection. To what? To the body. I will restore the body. Put it back together. Well, we've been in existence for 6,000 years. Is every single atom under God's care? Is every single molecule under... See, the word resurrection is the most powerful and glorious and beautiful word in the entire Bible. In fact, it would just blow our mind to even come up with the concept of understanding what the resurrection is gonna look like. Because there's atoms floating everywhere. God has not lost one. And he's in control of all. So, when we start speaking resurrection, yes, we're speaking above our mind, and we're into a God level of I cannot believe that could even take place. I work in Africa, and um, I've worked there for years, so churches work there, and and we have some pastors over there, and some people have passed away in Africa. and uh, whenever they pass away, um, our leader in Africa, he takes a picture of them because what they do is they dress the body and make it as nice as they possibly can. And, and he takes a picture of them and then he shoots me in on a text. I'm like, whoa, I got a corpse on my phone. Why do I have a corpse on my phone? Well, I just want to say, you know, we dress the body and the body's all ready for the grave, you know, getting prepared for that resurrection. I'm like, yeah, I'm not used to that. Well, just just bury him. I don't need to see the body. It's not like he's it's going gonna, gonna to be a lot easier for God to resurrect that one than somebody else. Last week I had somebody ask me a question. It says, I, I need to know this answer. What do you think about cremation? Can God do it? That <laughs> would be the question. It's matter. You know, it's 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 all matter. When your body is cremated, the matter still exists. That's science, and we know that. Can God do it? Can God put it back together? The Bible uses this word resurrection. Not reincarnation, not recreation, not replacement. It's resurrection. Hebrews 11:19 says, he considered that God is able to raise people even from the dead. <laughs> look how that verse goes. God can raise people even from the dead. The author is fascinated with the power and the glory of God that he can do what? Raise people, even from the dead. The whole Bible talks about resurrection. Isaiah twenty six nineteen, your dead will live. Their corpses will rise. Well, what is it gonna look like when a corpse rise? <laughs> I mean, is it gonna look good? I mean, Charles Spurgeon has a comment that death puts a person in such a frightful state that nobody can fall in love with it. Except the worm. <laughs> Yuck. I don't even want to talk about that. But these corpses are going to rise. What are they going to look like? God's putting them back together. Every single atom. Every single molecule. If you've lost a limb, it's not lost. <laughs> it's here. And that is science. Matter cannot be destroyed. Job nineteen twenty five. Even after my skin is destroyed, yet from my what? Flesh, I will see God. The King James Version kind of gives a description of this verse a little bit further. It says, And though after my skin worms destroy this body. <laughs> okay, thanks, King James. Yet in my flesh I shall see God. Give this, yuck, is exactly right. But what's taking place is that sin is showing us in such a frightful state of what the sickness of it is. But the resurrection. Is God restoring us back to health. God restoring us back to health. Just give a couple quotes from Thomas Watson. Thomas Watson said this, At the resurrection, every soul shall have its body. The same body that dies shall rise. Some hold that they should shall be clothed with a new body. But then it would be improper to call it a resurrection of the body. It should be called the recreation of a body. And it's not called recreation of the body, it's called resurrection of the body. Thomas Watson also said, some claim that there is a resurrection of the soul, but not the body. Though this makes no sense, how can there be a resurrection of something that has not died when we know that the soul does not die, but the body does? And consistently, Scripture talks about what? The resurrection of the body. Revelations twenty twelve says the sea gave up the dead that were in it. The dead were judged according to what they had done, as recorded in the books. What does that mean? Two thousand fourteen, Osama bin Laden was killed, and where did they bury him? They buried him into the sea. Well, how many years was that ago? That was six plus three, nine years ago. What took place to his body in the last nine years? You know, not to go into graphic, horrific detail, but the fish had its way. And then all of a sudden, the fish had its way all the way through the sea. And then of the process of going through all the sea, yes, the fish eat, the fish poop. All of it goes down. Not one atom has been lost. In the sea, according to this passage, the sea gave up the dead in the resurrection. Can't spiritualize the resurrection. The reason why is because science hasn't been given us to show us how smart we are. Science has been given to us, and the understanding of science has been given to us for the purpose of proclaiming how amazing our God is and how radical He is. So when we make this comment, there's a resurrection, what are we saying? What are we saying? Take the dynamics of the resurrection and you see the glorification of God. Now I ask a question: Why is Jesus' resurrection so important? Why is Jesus' resurrection so important? Jesus' resurrection is the power of everyone's restoration. That's why it's so important. Jesus' resurrection is the power of everyone's restoration. Jesus' resurrection is the power of everybody who will be resurrected and then stand in front of God one day. Jesus was talking to his church in Corinth, or Paul was writing a letter to the church in Corinth because they're they're saying this resurrection is too radical. They've kind of moved more towards the Sadducees, they didn't believe in the resurrection. Sadducees believed that the body was bad, so you burn it. You know, body's bad, just just it's gone. There's not gonna be a resurrection of the body. Why would you dig it up? That's what the Sadducees believe. But so this is where the Church of Corinth started believing. It's like, no, there's no resurrection. Stop talking about a resurrection. Don't go there. We can be here. Yeah, we'll leave and exit this world and and everything will be all right. But don't go back that there is this resurrection. And Paul is trying to convince him there is going to be a resurrection. And this is what he says to him. Now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. Then those who have also fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. He is the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. First fruits, as a result of Christ's resurrection, those are the first fruits everyone will rise. Everyone will rise. Jesus left heaven. He came to earth. He lived the perfect life. Did not sin once. Therefore, he is the perfect sacrifice. But yet he paid the price for everybody's sin, even though he did not sin once. And as he paid the price for everybody's sin, it was all the way to the grave that he went. All the way to the grave that he went. And he went to the grave, meaning it's over, it's done, price is paid, and then all of a sudden, three days later, guess what took place? <laughs> he rose from the grave. Wrath appeased. so a Sin atoned for. Ransom paid. And as a result, everyone, will rise from the dead and stand in front of Jesus. Everyone, whether you believe him or not, will rise from the dead and stand in front of Jesus. John eleven twenty five. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He's not saying I'm gonna resurrect. He said, no, I am the resurrection and the life. He's saying, I am the future that everybody will rise to me. I am the source when everybody will come to me. And I'm the life, meaning in the presence. So what does this resurrection tell us about God? That tells us two things about God. Number one, God doesn't avoid the mess sin is made. He goes into it. What this is, is this is not the resurrection. This is the death. Penalty of sin is what? It's, it's death. That's the penalty of sin. The sinner dies. God does not avoid that. What he does is he goes into it, into the depths of it, all the way to a death that is the most horrific death you could possibly imagine. Not only pain was involved, but humiliation was involved. Embarrassment was involved. Mockery was involved. The the guts and sickness of this world was there upon that cross with Jesus. Died on it. All of it was right there. I can avoid it. He came into it. That's different than every single religion you can possibly ever imagine. You know, God's up here. We try to achieve him. We try to get to him. We try to accomplish him. We try to impress him. And if we impress him enough, we can get into heaven. I mean, that's, that's most religions that are out there. That's every religion that's out there, no matter what it is. Christianity is crazy. God left heaven, and came into the mess that sin was made. And then what does he do? He goes into the grave. As a result of going to the grave, conquer death by rising again. Tells us something else about God. God doesn't burn the mess that sin was made. He actually cleans it up. Now this is kind of the way we're think in our mind is that you know we got to get off of this world you know we could just get off of this world and we get into heaven then everything's going to be all right if we can get off this world God will just burn the world and we're all done that's not the way God's working God said yeah there's a mess down there but I'm God king of kings and lord of lords I'm not going to avoid the mess I'm going to clean it all up what takes place as a result of sin Death, there'll be no more death and no more evidence of death because every grave will be empty. Every grave will be empty. Let's ask one question. You will stand before God, body and all, according to this resurrection, to be judged. Will he set you free? That's the most crucial question you could ask to anybody. You will stand in front of God and you'll be judged. Will you be set free? Do you believe it? World believes it. Back in 2015, I lost my dad. My dad passed away. And as a result of him passing away, we went to the, the funeral home and, and we were doing the logistical pieces there. My mom kind of had a, a cemetery already picked out. It was out in the foothills in Spokane. And uh, it was kind of a, an older cemetery, but it was, really, it was a really beautiful one. It kind of had a, a great view, and she just always liked it, as she drove by it numerous times. And so uh, when we came there to go through all the logistics of after my dad passed away, um, the people were recommending their their uh, funeral home, they said, uh, or a plot on their land. They said, we're in town, just to let you know. And I was like, well, we kind of like to do it out there. And, and uh, the person said, let me just advise you against it, just tell you what I think, and um, and he says, if he, if, he, if your dad does get buried here, the grass will always be green. It will always be watered. Uh, we have full-time maintenance people. Um, so maintenance will be up to par. It will be absolutely beautiful. Uh, being in town will be close for your mom so she can consistently visit, um, visit it um, in town whenever she would like to. And it's all security, 24-hour security. And, and the one that you're looking at is really not the best one in the world. The reason why it's not the best one in the world is... Is because volunteers keep it up, and sometimes they don't often uh, keep it up. Um, it's a really, really older one um, that is there. And uh, and then the other thing about it is that um, we can't get a backhoe in there, um, so we're going to have to find a grave digger, and uh, he'll have to go and take a shovel and have to dig a dig a grave. and um, So they really recommended the other one. And after we heard of that, I go, grave digger? Well, what's a grave digger? He says, I don't know. We just find a young buck who's really strong and give him a shovel and say, you know, dig the grave, and that's the grave that we'll put your your dad into? And we're like, yeah, we'll take the grave digger. That's the one we want. We definitely want to go out there. I'm sorry, you got a nice place, but that's a facility we want. So we go, okay, we'll meet the person out there. His, his name was uh, Clarence, I think it was. You'll meet Clarence out there. You get Clarence, he'll find a plot that you guys could u- to use, and then after you find that plot, um, he'll just explain the logistics. So we go out there as a family, and as we go out there, um, uh, nobody's there, and we're waiting, and then pickup shows up, and and there's this young guy that pulls out, uh, gets out of the pickup, and, and we go introduce ourselves. Are you Clarence? He says No, no, I'm not Clarence. And and uh, he looked really young and strong. And he says, Well, are you coming to meet Clarence? He goes, Yeah, I am. And he said, that I had to dig a grave. And he's like, You're digging my father's grave. And I shook his hand and I said, Thank you for digging my father's grave. And he says, You're welcome. And then Clarence ended up showing up, and, and Clarence was a, an old man. <laughs> Really old man, in fact he barely walked, he had a cane, he opened the door and he barely got out of the car and and he's kind of a grumpy old man too. And he's like, are you coming here to find a plot? He said, yeah, we're here to find, find a plot. He goes, all right, well, let's see what we got available. And he, he pulled out this map that was twice as old as he was. I'm sure it was. And it was all penciled of all the tombstones that are all around. And it was pretty full. There wasn't very much left. And he said, all right, let's look at this. We can stick them here. Or we can put them here. And, and he kind of didn't have the cleanest mouth. We can blankety-blank them here and blankety-blank them here, wherever you want to put them. So, well, let's go check this spot out right here. It's like, okay, we'll go check it out. Well, let me go get my probe I'm like probe, what do you need a probe for? He's like, I'll just get my probe. He grabbed his probe, and we went out there, and we found the location that we were going to put my dad. And he takes his probe and he starts to poke it into the ground, and and it would go down about three feet into the dirt, and then he would hit concrete. Go, then he pull it out and hit concrete again, and. And I'm looking at that. I said, isn't people supposed to be six feet under? That's not six feet. That's only three. He goes, don't sweat it. There's three feet casing beyond this. Don't worry about it. I got it taken care of. And he keeps on probing and probing and cussing and probing and probing. And and then he said something that shocked me. He said, all right, we'll put your dad here. I got it all figured out and make sure he'll be facing east. And I'm like, oh, why do you have to make sure he's facing east? I said, what if I want him to go west? He said, no, 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 no. He, He goes east. I go yeah, but what if I want to go west? I mean, I'm like his son. He goes, no, sir, everybody in this cemetery is going east. He goes east. I was like, so I don't get to make the decision to go west. Don't be a problem. No, he goes east. After that, I kind of did some research. Did some research back in 2015. I found out that 194 million people have been buried since 1900. Started 1900. And 180 million graves face east. And that's what? 93% of graves face east. And they don't even ask you. And they didn't even give you a choice. They just said, yeah, this is where it's going to go. So when we die, what's going to take place? They're just going to do what? They're just going to put you east. I asked Clarence, I said, why do you face them east? He said, I don't know, somewhere in this book, spiritual book called the Bible, says Christ is coming in the east. So wait. Put them east, that's what we do. We always do. You don't even ask questions? No, we just put them east, 93%. This world is ready for a resurrection. <laughs> I mean, God can clean anything up, but this world is waiting for a resurrection. It will rise from the dead, and if we are in our body, it's gonna say a lot about this experience because when we rise from the dead, we will show up in front of Jesus Christ, the judge. Now, I know what it feels like to stand in front of a judge because I'm a human. My body's going to get put back together after I go to the grave. And I'm going to stand in front of this judge. And I stand in front of this judge, I'm asking the question, is he going to set me free? Is he going to set me free? We can say, is he going to set Hitler free? Is he going to set you know Stalin free? You know, who, 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 Is he going to set me free? Free. We know there's evil, but is he going to set me free? Only one way he'll set you free. Jesus came down as the perfect sacrifice. Never sinned once, but yet died for the sins of the world. Is my sins on his shoulders or is my sins on mine? He will set me free if I believe that my sins on his shoulders rarer than mine. And my sins were paid at the price of the cross. And this radical resurrection that can't even be conceived happened. And I believe it. And as a result, I get a living eternity with him.